This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from Real Time with Bill Maher, Only by Necessity, The Young Turks, The Majority Report, The Tom Hartman Program, Old School TYT, and The David Pakman Show. Now, this first clip is far from being normal Best of the Left material, but it is necessary to lay the groundwork for the rest. Just want to make that clear. Liberals uh, have really failed on the topic of theocracy. They, they, they'll, they'll criticize white theocracy. They'll criticize right. Christians. They'll still get agitated over the abortion clinic bombing that happened in 1984. But when, when you want to talk about the treatment of women and homosexuals and free thinkers and, and public intellectuals in the Muslim world, uh, I would argue that li liberals have failed us. And uh, the crucial point of confusion, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank God you're here. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the crucial point of confusion is that, that we have been sold this meme of Islamophobia where every criticism of the doctrine of Islam gets conflated with bigotry toward Muslims as people. Right. And that is uh, it's, it's intellectually ridiculous. Even it gets so hold on, are racist. you the person who understands the officially codified doctrine of Islam? You're the uh, interpreter well, of that, well, so you well, can say, well, I, this I'm, is, I'm, I think I'm any... I'm actually well-educated on this topic. I'm, I'm asking you, so I mean, you're yeah. saying, if I criticize the... You're saying that Islamophobia is not a real thing. That if you're critical of something... It, well, it's not a real thing when we do it. Right. Well, well no, it no, really no, is. I'm not denying not, that, that certain people are bigoted against Muslims as people. That, right. And that's a that's problem. big of you. But the... But why yeah, are you so hostile to, about this? It's, it's gross. It's racist. It's, it's not. It's but it's so not. It's, so, it's like saying it's so not. You're shifty Jew. You're not listening Absolutely to not. what well, we are saying. You guys are saying if you want to be liberals, believe in liberal principles right. like freedom of speech, like right. um, you know we are endowed by our uh, forefathers with an inalienable life, like all men are created. No, Ben, we have to be able to criticize bad ideas. And of course we do. Islam, no liberal doesn't okay, want to okay. criticize bad ideas. But Islam but why at this moment is the mother load of bad ideas. Jesus. So we have we have ideas like blasphemy. It is it's an ugly apostasy. It is it's basic liberal well, well, let me unpack it. tolerance. Let me, yeah, let, exactly. let me unpack but it. But not for intolerance. No, of course it's not. But the picture you're painting is to some extent true, but it's hugely incomplete. It is certainly true that plenty of fanatics and jihadis are Muslim. But the people who are standing up to them, Malala, uh, Muhammad Ali uh, yes. Dadak in, in Iran, in prison for nine years for speaking up for Christians. Uh, a friend that I had in Pakistan who was shot this year, uh, Rashid Rahman, for defending people accused of apostasy. Okay. But Nick, or how about but, but, more than a billion those, people those who are aren't Muslims fanatical, too. who don't punish well, women, who just want to go to school? Okay. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Any of the things okay. you're saying, all Muslims. Okay. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not, I'm not saying wait a second. And you're painting the whole group religion with that. No, no. Let's get down to who has the right answer here. A billion people, you say. All these billion people don't hold any of those five or something. Don't hold these pernicious beliefs. No, I wouldn't. Well, they don't. That's just not true, Ben. That's just not ben. true. Can I, can I just express how I think it breaks down? The, the, the idea, what are, you haven't even the, the, you're, you're trying to say that these few people, that's all the problem is, these few bad apples. The idea that someone should be killed if they leave the that's Islamic... That's horrible. That should, okay. Wait, wait. That, that but wait you're saying that the idea way, that Islam. someone should be killed if they leave the Islamic religion is just a few bad apples? The people who would actually believe in an act that you murder somebody if they yes. have Islam yes. is not the majority of Muslims at all. Okay, but is it? So don't tell a man that he can't come here because he got brown eyes and a wavy kind of hair. And don't 
tell a woman that she can't go there because she prays a little different to a God up there. You say you're a Christian because God made you. You say you're a Muslim because God made you. You say you're a Hindu and the next man a Jew. Then we all kill each other because God told us to. Now, hello, hello. This week we've been talking about how Bill Maher and Sam Harris had an interesting conversation where Ben Affleck uh, came in and called him out for being honestly uh, bigoted on the issue of Muslims. Now a lot of people don't agree with that. Uh, I tried to make a, a nuanced case yesterday explaining that, for example, as a person who does not believe in any of the religions, I'm very much against Islam. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not against all Muslims because it doesn't make sense. It's not a rational position to have. Now, people keep saying, no, Mar and Sam Harris didn't say that, except Mark almost clearly did, as we showed in the tape yesterday, when Ben Affleck said, over a billion people aren't all bad guys. Uh, Mar said, yes, they are. Okay, now, to me, that indicates that Bill Mar doesn't know a lot of uh, Muslims. Uh, but uh, in this case, don't worry, Bill, uh, you've made a lot of new friends. All right, let's show you some of Bill Maher's new friends. First, we start with Don Lemon. Is it fair to call Sam Harris and to call Bill Maher, who are noted liberals, to call them bigots because they're, they are asking certain questions about Islam? And they're atheists as well. To call them to act because they're having a discussion <laughs> about Islam on television, is that fair? Well, I don't think being liberal shields you from being bigoted. There are plenty of bigoted liberals. Here's Mark Lamont Hill trying to straight out uh, Don Lemon. Don, uh, always with not a clear understanding of the issues uh, they're not just calling out Islam if they criticize Islam that would not separate the current conversation with what they've done a million times and I've supported them it, when they went after the religion and the ideology of Islam we don't agree with that being atheists and agnostics that's why we call it out I've never had a problem with Bill Maher or Sam Harris doing that so that's not the issue at all and then the framing of the question can liberals be bigots like he stated as like, that's really weird. If you're a liberal, obviously you can't, by definition, be a bigot. I mean, I, I hope that that's the case, but I think that that's probably not the case, as Mark Lamont Hill pointed out. And then, of course, Ben Ferguson, who's a conservative talk show host who you saw in that clip, later in that segment came in with, oh, Bill Maher, way to be. The Muslims are the real problem. And that's the kind of thinking that has sprouted up from this, even if it was not Maher's intention. Unfortunately, that's the guys who are supporting him. And if it was me, I'd want to straighten it out and go, I'm not with Ben Ferguson, let alone Don Lemon, let alone all the people I'm about to show you. Uh, they're misunderstanding my position. I'm not saying all Muslims are bad and they're worse than Christians or Jews and they're all naturally inclined towards violence, etc. that I keep saying every day on the show. Anyway, that he keeps saying every week I should say on the show. All right, straighten us out, Bill. All right, now, more people on Bill Maher's side. Uh, he, no, 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 guys, no, you're missing the point here. He's arguing about 2014. And, and oftentimes and, uh, people will but, go back and say, yeah, but the Christians and the Crusaders, they were bad too. Bill, All right, we got it 600 years ago. But in 2014... Bill, he indicted a billion Muslims with that comment. It's simply not true. Who, we have to have... I can't believe Bill, I'm defending Bill, Bill, Bill Maher Bill Maher did. He, he, not he indicted a billion. He talked about radical Islam. Yep. No, he didn't. We showed the tape. When Affleck said, you're indicting over a billion people, he said, yeah, they're guilty. 
Yeah. Look, go back and watch the video we did yesterday. Get the exact quotes for uh, on what he said. Okay, so great. You have Bill Hemmer or Fox News on your side, and, and he says one of those pernicious things that drives me crazy. Oh, when the Christians, sure, of course, it was the Crusades and the Spanish Inquisition and all that and all the wars. And that. But that was all six hundred years ago. Christians haven't done anything bad in six hundred years. But wait a minute, you guys are the ones that started World War One and World War Two. Okay. Oh no, those doesn't. They happen to be Christian. But it, Christianity can't get blamed from that. But when you say, well, these guys happen to be Muslim. No, 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 no. It's because they're Muslim. We hate the Muslims. The Muslims are all wrong. But wait, the Nazis had got mit uns. God with his... Nah, it's just a coincidence. Now that's left over from World War I when they started the other war that killed millions and millions and millions of people. And they thought their Christian God was with them then. No, but it doesn't count. It never counts. Well, how about when we started the Iraq War, a country that is predominantly Christian, we are, right, started a war in Iraq where hundreds of thousands of civilians, innocent civilians, were killed. Well, that doesn't count. They're just collateral damage, and we didn't quite mean it. And we're not really a Christian nation. I mean, the people who started the war were Christians. In fact, the guy who started it, George W. Bush, is a fundamentalist Christian who believes that Gog and Magog were going to come out of it, but it doesn't count. It never counts. When Christians do bombings, it ne when Jews do bombings, it never counts. Only when a Muslim does a bombing. Yep, now, goddamn Muslims. Well, congratulations, Bill Maher. Bill Hemmer, Fox News is on your side. Ooh, speaking of Fox News, you're about to get even more heavyweight support. Let's watch. Right now, the ISIS terrorists are attacking a town in Syria, very close to the Turkish border. Civilians are fleeing in panic because these ISIS savages are known to slaughter innocent people. Meantime, Turkish tanks and troops do nothing sitting on their side of the border watching the carnage unfold. Turkey is a Muslim country. See, it's all the Muslims, all, even Turkey. Okay, now, Turkey is in NATO. In fact, they're the second largest army in NATO. He says, Turkey's just sitting there doing nothing, won't send in ground troops. Oh, really, Bill? Who else won't send in ground troops? Oh, right, us. We're the largest army in NATO, the United States is. And we're not sending in ground troops. Instead, we point to the Turks and go, why don't you do something about it? We're Christians. We're not going to do anything about it. Why don't you go? And if they went in and there was some violence, they say, see, Muslims, all they know is violence. The president of Turkey, who I have a ton of disagreements with, said, okay, look, we asked the West to support moderate Syrian rebels, and a, a position I don't necessarily agree with. But he said, but we asked them to do that. We asked them to do no-fly zone, etc. They never did any of the things that we asked for. Our parliament just voted to go to war with ISIS. We're here. We're providing support. And if ground troops are going to go in, it's likely our ground troops. But you don't give us any of that. And then Bill O'Reilly is going to turn around and say, you see the Muslims in Turkey, they won't help us. Please. And by the way, what are you going to tell Turkey? Hey, trust us, the last time we went into Iraq, it turned out great. Please send your troops into Iraq. That's not really a convincing argument. But more importantly than anything else here, great, Bill Maher, you've started a snowball of people on TV saying it's all Muslims. Here's more. There are about 1.6 billion Muslims, and 35 countries practice some kind of Sharia law. That means they are governed by people who abide by principles of Islam that are controversial to say the least in some places you can even be stoned to death for committing a sin a study published by the pew research center last year asked muslims if they favor sharia law in afghanistan 99 percent do pakistan 84 percent iraq 91 percent egypt 74 percent jordan 71 percent so you can see that millions of muslims think their religion should dictate what happens in society 
kind of like Antonin Scalia, one of our Supreme Court justices, who just said, well, we can favor religion over non-religion, that's perfectly constitutional in America, which, by the way, is not true. Okay? So here's Bill O'Reilly. By the way, he left out the rest of that chart. All the other Muslim countries that did not rank highly in terms of uh, supporting Sharia law, the Indonesias, which is the most populous uh, Muslim country. In fact, uh, the great majority of the most populous Muslim nations are not in the Middle East, are not Arab countries. They never get mentioned. Uh, but, you know, you throw up the Jordans and the Egypts, etc. there, and then they go, you see, voila, all Muslims. That's part of this trick. But the more important part of that trick in this case is when he says they're in favor of Sharia law. Well, now, Sharia law is interpreted completely differently by different areas. So there are some parts that say Sharia law means that if you steal something, we cut off your hand, or if you kill someone, we cut off your head, etc. Now, there are other people who interpret Sharia law as, if you ask them, are you in favor of Sharia law? That is the law that Muslims are supposed to follow, they go, well, obviously. And they don't mean beheadings, they don't mean dismemberings, they mean, do I follow the Quran? Yeah, I follow the Quran. If you ask evangelicals in this country, do you follow biblical law? What percentage would say yes? An overwhelming percentage, right? In fact, they'd be embarrassed to say they don't follow biblical law. But if they actually follow biblical law, they wouldn't eat shrimp, they wouldn't have clothes of two different uh, uh, Fabrics and oh yeah, the other thing they would do is they would murder the infidels. Read Deuteronomy. If you take the Bible literally, you're supposed to kill everyone who doesn't believe in the same religion as you. That's also in the Bible. But you see, they don't. All the billions of Christians in the world don't literally believe that. And guess what? Neither do the billions of Muslims in the world. They're not going around killing everybody. You're taking a small group of people and saying, that's it, 1.6 billion people. A dude in Malaysia has got nothing to do with those beheadings happening in Syria. But they want to smear everybody, and that is the definition of bigotry. One more. Enter uber-liberals Bill Maher and Ben Affleck. Mr. Marr is an anti-religionist. He despises all organized religion, makes no secret of that. Mr. Affleck is a traditional liberal, a fervent supporter of President Obama and of many left-wing causes. However, Mr. Marr is correct on the overall effect Islam's having on the world right now. The truth is many Muslim nations have not confronted Islamic terrorism, have not attacked violence in the name of Allah, and have not even condemned the jihad. There is an exception to the rule, but they are few. The truth is that the Islamic Jihad could not, could not exist if not for Muslim nations turning away. Turkey could crush ISIS right this minute. But Turkey does nothing. Criticism of Islam's role on the world stage is certainly valid. The Muslim world needs to take a hard look at itself. The United States could crush ISIS right this minute, but yet it does nothing. It does not send in the ground troops, just like Turkey. Now you say, wait, that's not fair. Uh, we're at least doing bombings. Actually, Turkey has joined our uh, so in supporting our bombings and in participating in that. In fact, if you remember, the first set of bombings were with a coalition of Muslim countries. You remember the female pilot from the United Arab Emirates that launched the first set of bombs? Saudi Arabia, etc. They have joined the fight against ISIS. So what Bill O'Reilly is telling you is literally not true. It's the opposite of true. He's lying on purpose to smear every Muslim in the world. Now, the last part of that that's relevant 
is this guy saying you have to speak out against your own radicals, your own fundamentalists that cause violence. Well, that's interesting because there was a guy who killed an abortion provider named Dr. Tiller. And a guy on television kept calling Dr. Tiller, Tiller the baby killer. And the guy who shot him heard that, went and killed Dr. Tiller because he was a baby killer. Who was the guy who kept saying killer the baby uh, killer? Tiller the baby killer? Yeah, that was Bill O'Reilly. Bill, have you condemned yourself recently? I mean, there's a guy who was a fundamentalist Christian, Scott Roeder, who killed someone that you were calling a baby killer. Have you come out and said it is the fault of that Christian for doing a Christian fundamentalist radical violent act? And by the way, I'd like to apologize to the Tiller family and to everyone else involved for helping to provoke that violent act. Funny, I haven't seen that apology, Bill. And if you care to know, CARE, which is the largest Muslim American organization, has condemned every one of these Muslim bombings, uh, attempted bombings, any violent act in the United States that comes from a Muslim extremist, CARE puts out a huge statement every time. And they send it to Fox News. What's weird is that Fox News hasn't aired a single one of those. And then they turn around and go, ah, you see that? These Muslims, they never say anything, except for the press releases they sent to my office. Bill Maher, you must be so proud of your new friends. One of the problems in this discourse is this notion of what is true Islam or not true Islam. And, you know, Vijay Prashad made this point last week. What Saudi Arabia represents, what ISIS represents, which is these harsh, cruel, fanatical, limited versions of the world, uh, and in ISIS's case, uh, really a genocidal brutality, that is a form of Islam. Just as, you know, Rumi, right, the Sufi poet, that's Islam. Legal and environmental traditions are Islam. Great art is Islam. Different theories of, leg of legal theories, Islamic finance, which has some very enlightened ideas. This is all Islam. My friend uh, Bilal Ahmed, who's a journalist who edits a journal called uh, Sushant, which I've written for, has a great piece. There is no true Islam, according to his argument. He grew up as a Muslim. His family is... Uh, more conservative, he's more liberal. Islam is a dynamic thing. Religion can be hacked and programmed however you want it. In some respects, some of the jihadists are actually radically untraditional because they don't accept the directives of traditional uh, religious leadership in some respects. Traditional religious leadership, like many uh, clerics have come out, and issued condemnations of ISIS. So even if you want to talk about Islam, you're not going to get anywhere uh, intelligently by just saying, 
well, this is it or this isn't it. Now, in a relative level, I'm going to support people like Ben Affleck calling out bigotry and Reza Aslan calling out stupidity because you cannot divorce the Sam Harris, the Bill Maher approach from disastrous policies, and that's really the point. The point really is you could not have a maintenance of the status quo in Israel-Palestine unless all Palestinians are totally dehumanized, and that is connected with Islamophobia. And that not only is a humanitarian wrong, that is a strategic wrong and a violation of long-term interests for all stakeholders in that situation, including the Israelis. You can't have a smart and sophisticated discourse about how to truly actually handle ISIS, figure out who to back, figure out how we should step back and stop interfering without figuring out all these dynamics. So when Sam Harris comes forward and he says, well, I can cite a Pew poll, which incidentally he's not going to cite all of because there's going to be many trends and attitudes uh, that don't reflect his basic thesis. Um, and I'll give you some bad lines from the Quran. The upshot of that is it not only makes you a more stupid and limited person to just take his word for it and go about that. It has terrible implications for the Muslims that Ben Affleck was talking about, which is most people who are just trying to get by and don't want to be surveilled, don't want to have their kids bullied in school. And it also has disastrous policy consequences because, again, those ideas of Muslim culture is like this, Muslim culture is like that, that's the simplistic and one-dimensional view that gets us in uh, or justifies pre-ordered policies that don't work. So have a debate on Islam, criticize facets of Islam, but recognize that you can never divorce that discussion from the policy implications. And policy, including even all of these manifestations of horrific and brutal terrorism, is never going to be driven by religion alone. It's not even going to be the defining factor. If you go to Mexico and you look at what cartels are doing in terms of public violence and social media, that has a lot more to do with ISIS and Boko Haram than some grandiose statement about global jihad. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, or Amazon.co.uk from the banner at bestofleft.com to shop at just one of the major companies with the insatiable profit incentive to help perpetuate the destructive paradigm of overconsumption and exploitative capital. Better yet, go ahead and click through to the Amazon site that serves your country just once and then bookmark it to use every time you shop, which should be as rarely as possible. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whether that be rejecting consumerism altogether or at least consuming in a subversive way.
Barvo in Dallas, Texas. Hey, Barvo, it says that I am misinformed. You think I'm misinformed about peace-loving Muslims? Uh, yes, Tom, I do. Uh, first of all, I want to say I listen to you quite often. I'm probably uh, uh, poles apart from you. I'm a, not a Republican. I'm a conservative. Would register as conservative if I could in Texas. But I have to tell you, Tom, I admire you. I think you're very intelligent. There would nothing please me more than to sit down with you over a couple of good bottles of wine and a nice dinner, because I do admire, as uh, Theodore Roosevelt said, you're in the arena. Well, thank, you, I, thank you, Barbara. Thank you. So, really so let, me, let me understand this right. Do you know any Muslims? Uh, I have worked in the Middle East over a 20-year period. Mm-hmm. I not only know Muslims, I go to their mosque, I talk to their imams, I recently... Uh, debated an imam uh, in front of about a thousand people and in his office when I went out to meet the imam and I have I took a picture of it there was a uh, picture of our White House in his office of our White House with an Arab flag on it now uh, I have read many Qurans the Qurans that you buy in the United States are their words have been changed in many times from the Qurans you will buy in the Middle East for instance in their book the table in uh, Surah 532, if you buy a Koran in the Middle East, it will say, if you see a Christian or Jew, attack him, cut off his right foot and his left hand, and then crucify him. The Koran that's printed in this country simply says, uh, God is, uh, is, is, uh, God is, will punish you. He will, uh, crucify you, uh, or have their hands and their feet amputated alternatively. I don't think the Muslims are in this country to integrate. I think they're here to dominate. They have done so in some 40 nations of the world. I, I do not... How is that not true of Christians, Barva? How is that not true of what? Of Christians. You've got, you've got well, Christian groups in this country that want government funding. They want, they want uh, all kinds of allowances. They want to be able to... I mean, they just successfully got the Supreme Court well, to say some of those you know, they can lead public them. prayer. Well, I... I, I don't find a problem with public prayer, and I in venues paid for by taxpayers. Pardon? In venues paid for by taxpayers, you don't you don't mind if your tax dollars go to pay for, uh, you know, a Muslim prayer. I, I don't mind if if the Muslims do it among themselves. That's their right to pray in this country, but it's not their right to change our country, to dominate our country. Uh, Abraham Hooper who is head of the uh, CAR, Council of American Islam. I know him. He's been on the program a number of times. Well, he's he's publicly stated that he would be lying if he didn't wish that this country was under Sharia law and not and the Constitution was uh, dissolved. Now, I, could that I man... I find that hard to I, believe. Well, I have it. I have it written. I have a large... Uh, repertoire yeah. of what these people have said. But, but Barvo, let's, let's, can we step back a little bit and look at a slightly larger picture here? You're familiar with how Saudi Arabia has been exporting, aggressively exporting Wahhabism, uh, for 200, oh, for longer than the United States has been a republic. And, of course I did. and, and yeah. so then you know that in Saudi Arabia, you can, you can find, and not just in Saudi Arabia, they're exporting these all over the region. Comic books that talk about how Jews take the blood of Muslims to make matzahs. Comic books for kids. Uh, I have a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. I don't disagree that the Salafist, Wahhabist form of Sunni Islam that is being promoted and exported by the Saudis and for uh, centuries now, aggressively for the last 
eight or nine decades, is toxic. I do not disagree with that. And just like I don't disagree with the form of Christianity practiced by people like Eric Rudolph, which dictates that they should murder anybody involved with abortions, I, I consider that toxic, too. And well, I do, too, Tom. I do. You, you, as I say, you and I agree on a lot of things. I do, too. So, so how do we, you know, I, I just got, uh, in, in fact, I just, I just handed it off. I, I need to get it back. The, I, I just got an, uh, an email from uh, a correspondent of mine in Tunisia, who's a Muslim who's living in Tunisia, who makes the point that it really wasn't until uh, President Ali in, T in Tunisia basically bought the IMF line and, and the World Bank line that they had to do a, a, a Thatcherism, a, a Reaganomics in Tunisia, stop price supports for food, stop price supports for fuel, privatize government industries, cut taxes on rich people, raise taxes on working people. And when Ali did that, in order to qualify Tunisia for World Bank loans and things, that's when everything went to hell. And and the same thing happened in Egypt, and the same thing happened in Syria, and the same thing happened in, in uh, Libya. And that those are not problems of Islam. Those are problems, those are economic problems driving people to desperation. And the thing that they grab hold of is Islam. And just like in the United States, you've got people who are who who find themselves in a position of desperation, or at least perceive themselves to be a position of desperation, and they grab hold of these most toxic forms of Christianity. Well, see, you and I disagree there because Islam itself is toxic. Muhammad was, in my opinion, was the first Islamic terrorist in uh, 627 when he and his son Ali beheaded between 600 and 800 Jews in Medina after the Battle of the Trench. And that's where this beheading comes from. Up until that time, he had had his new followers praying towards Jerusalem. Then he told them no longer pray towards Jerusalem, pray towards Mecca. So there's, uh, I find that there's a thread of evil that runs through. Uh, so how is that different, Barvo, from the book of Joshua, where God repeatedly instructs Joshua to go basically from tribe to tribe and slaughter them? That's true, but that we had we had something in the Christian faith that Islam has never had. In the 1500s, we had uh, something called the Reformation, and uh, that made a great di deal of difference in our faith. I think you know. Are you familiar with Sufism? Oh yes, yes. I'm not a, a Sufism. Yes, yes. Would you uh, would you consider Sufism to be a toxic variation of, of? No, no, I do not. I do not. They're the ones that do the whirling dervish. Right, uh, I do. I do. They're, they're the Sufi. And, they're they're the mystics of of Islam. They're, but they're largely yeah. uh, Shia rather than Sunni. It, to the best of my yeah. knowledge, there's no s mystical subset of Sunni Islam. It, it, but all. Well, actually, I, you know, I'm going to stop right here because neither one of us are Muslim and neither one of us are experts on this stuff. Although you uh, obviously have studied it much more than I have, but I'm not going to make any more assertions. You're. You, I. I still. The point that you're making, well, let me back up. The point that I'm making is that it's not just religion, that you have to put the religion in the context of the region. You've got a region that has been oppressed for centuries, that has been exploited for centuries, principally by us and European powers, that has been occupied for centuries, principally by us and European powers, and people turn to whatever they can turn to and if the the common denominator that they have is their religion they're going to turn to that 
It, it, wouldn't it be, doesn't it make more sense for us as a foreign policy to be saying to people in the region, uh, you know, let us help build schools for girls. Let us help, let us help modernize your society. Let's bring it, you know, is, to reduce the toxic levels of, of, of extremism within their religion. So I call out all the religions, right? And so Bill Maher and, and Sam Harris call out Christianity to no end. I know that, right? Uh, as do I. I call it Islam, Boko Haram, ISIS, right. everything. Right? You've seen me rip into yes. Islam, right? But they're making it seem like it is a majority of Muslims, which is both not factually true. Like I had to do a segment explaining like that my aunt likes to cook flan and my uncle likes to take pictures to try to get people to go oh right right that's like my uncle and aunt right that they're not mm -hmm. the overwhelming majority of muslims are regular fucking people like i i had to give specific examples so they go oh right that's that's like aunt harriet right they're not fucking worried about radical islam and like they the thing that drives me crazy is like why haven't they done something about it what the fuck does that mean? I, what have you I, done about? I know it's yeah, like what, about, you, what have you done about the KKK? What, what have you done, you done about, about the, the abortion Borough? clinic bomber? You, yes, what exactly. You, I mean, we don't even have to go back in history. The guy went and shot up a, a Jewish community center in Kansas. What do yes. you do about it? What do you do about it? I don't. Well, was I supposed to do something about it? Yeah. I don't know. I hope the right. cops got him. Right. Right. So, anyway, the, the reason I say they're biased is that when it comes to the issue of the religion they happen to be born into. Okay, all of a sudden it's a slightly different standard. Now the religion I was born into, I rejected. Okay, and I said it's wrong, at some risk to myself. Yes. Right now, but when it comes to honestly the issue of Israel, right? Sam Harris finds twenty-eight ways to justify it. Yeah, right? it's like wow. So, so you're being—he's not consistent when it comes to yeah, that. Yeah, so funny. he says like no. So I'm he's a, I'm against. He says he'll say like I'm against fundamentalist uh, Judaism, etc. But then he'll say no, like I not. mean, but on the Indian issue of Israel, you see the Muslims are terrible and they had it coming, and so the yes, Israelis have to protect themselves. And so I know. now, and then both Harris and Mar, and by the way, Mar is half Jewish, half Catholic, right? Yes. And he unloads on Catholics to be fair. Yes. Okay. Um, um, he, uh, they'll say, oh, Muslims, polls, polls, you know, 64% uh, of the people in Egypt say that they would kill an apostate. And so that means uh, all Egyptians, that means all Muslims, and the polls um, got facts. Okay, 85% of Israelis said that they approved of Netanyahu's actions during the war. Now, Netanyahu's actions was they killed about 75% civilians out of over 2,000 people that they killed. So they killed thousands of innocent civilians, right? Now that's a pretty bad death toll. 75, 85% of Israelis agree. Israel is a Jewish state. It's a religious state, right? So now if you were really against all religions, wouldn't you say, oh, the idea of a Jewish state is horrible. <laughs> it's just like the idea of a Muslim state or a Christian state is horrible because that means the people that live inside that state that aren't Jewish, they are almost by definition second class citizens. And I can give you literally 20 examples of how they literally are second class citizens, yes. let alone the people in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. 
okay, right. who are zero-class citizens, right? So, yeah. So, so that's where their argument falls down. That's No so, doubt about it. Yeah, I know. So, I, I was so I, shocked to hear Sam Harris do that. So now, and I don't want people to misunderstand, so I could turn around then using their logic and say, well, then all the Jews are guilty. But nobody would say that. One, because it's not true. true. It's, it's not fucking true. Right. Ben Manquitz didn't settle anybody, right. okay? Dave Kohler didn't, he's against the settlements, right? Mm -hmm. And he was against bombing the Palestinians. And, and he, no matter what their position is, Netanyahu doesn't get to dis decide who the you know what the right thing is for Jews? He's not all Jews. He's not. It's right. wrong. Just like and I don't care what the polls say. In that particular case, they happen to be in favor of that action because of the context that they were in. Right. So now, but they feel perfectly comfortable saying it about Muslims. Okay. Now, two reasons why: because one, they know a lot of Jews, so they think, well, I mean, my, you know, Uncle Harry and and Aunt Louise, then. Mm -hmm. They don't want to kill Palestinians. Mm -hmm. They don't want to kill civilians. They're good people. You know, of course, you can't generalize about Jews because mm -hmm. it's normal. It's normal. They were born into that family and they have that context. They do not know a lot of Muslims. They don't. They know like the Muslims who are like semi-celebrities that left Islam and they're on the speaking circuit, so they run into one another. And those are the ones telling the scary stories. They were going to kill me. They were going to do this. They were going to do that. Which are all true, right? But they don't know. Aunt Sabiaha, right? You know they don't know uh, Ismail did it, right? They don't know these people, and they don't know that they're right. They don't know them as regular folks, right? So they're not humanized. So, and then today we there was a story we didn't get to. We'll probably do it tomorrow on the show. John Bennett, state rep in Oklahoma, uh, says, "No, no, it's all Muslims, and they're just like the Nazis." Really? Yeah. Okay, so wow. but that's what it leads to. When you have Bill Maher saying it, you have Bill O'Reilly saying no, it, you I have Sam Harris saying it, you have Don Lemon saying it, you have everybody saying it. All of a sudden, that guy who's an asshole, who's who Sam Harris and Bill Maher are not, right? Right. You know, they're making a, a normal mistake, in my opinion, mm -hmm. right? But that empowers the John Bennett's of the world to then go. You see that it's all the Muslims. We got to watch out for them, and we got to start taking action. So I mean, it's the beginning, man. It's so like I, I'm, I'm like internment camps. That's crazy, right? But like the hatred against Muslims and well, how much has become normalized fear of in this country yeah. is really scary. Yes, I'm not fully on Affleck's side. I'm certainly not fully on Reza Aslan's side. Reza Aslan claims he's still religious. He's that he's Muslim. So I, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. We're going to talk to him. We'll have a rational conversation about it. Okay. But and, and on Affleck's side, I believe that there are parts of culture that are totally wrong and that we need to fight against. Okay. Yeah. So for example, the idea in Muslim culture, in some uh, place, honor killings. Are you fucking kidding me? Obviously that's wrong. I'm not having that conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, your culture is wrong. I've said it a million times on the show. Mm -hmm. That part of the culture, for that particular and that's why I say it's a culture, because, like, for example, Kurds do honor ki killings more, right? It's not because I'm Turkish and I hate Kurds. For a long time, I thought I was a Kurd. My whole life, I thought I was one-eighth Kurdish, right? I don't think I am, but that's part of my identity, because that's, that's what I grew up with, mm -hmm. right? So I have great sympathy for the Kurds, but they do female genital mutilation so more... So you're Turkish and Kurdish, you'd be a turd. <laughs> Don't get people started. But young turds is the oldest. A turd, Jesus! Yeah. Fuck, fuck's sake! <laughs> Alright, go ahead. So, and they do female genital mutilation more than Sunni Muslims in that region do. Like Turks, Arabs mm -hmm. don't do it as much. Kurds do. 
So it happens to be a cultural thing that's intertwined with the religion, etc. I'm perfectly comfortable saying that part of the culture is totally fucking wrong, mm -hmm. right? And then on the, you know, on the Christian side, the Armageddon thing is the most dangerous thing in the world. That's insanity. I mean, the fact that they believe that is yes. I mean, it's that's literally. I think that's more dangerous than any fundamentalist Muslim because the Muslims are at a micro level. They don't have power. Right. Part of the reason they do terrorism, part of the reason why they are more seem more barbaric, is because they're flailing, striking like they're so humiliated right. by the you. nonstop losses and subjugation, etc., that they're thrashing around wildly like a caged animal. Right. Mm -hmm. The ones that are the ISIS of the world, the yada yada. Right. Um, if they had bombers, they'd probably be perfectly calm. And they'd be having tea at the club, and then they'd press a button and bomb you that way, right? Mm -hmm. But they, they don't have that power. They have drones right. and things like that. Here at Best of the Left, we know that it's not enough just to stay informed. You need to get active if you actually want to change the world for the better. That's why we promote great activism opportunities every chance we get. Also, I can only reach so many people on my own, but with your help, we can extend that reach. The episode show notes are most likely available on the device you're using to listen right now, and if they're not, you can see them on the website. Simply click the title of any segment you want to share and then easily post it to your social networks or send it directly to friends. You joining these actions and helping amplify the show to get even more people involved is critical to our mission to change the world for the better. Get started right now in the show notes on the device you're using or visit the website from any device at bestoftheleft.com. All right, we've got to deal with something serious here. I want to start with uh, going back to the Sam Harris, Bill Maher, Ben Affleck controversy. Now, if you remember, new atheist, so-called new atheist, Sam Harris, appeared on HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher a couple of weeks ago. And during a discussion about radical Islam and the influence of religious extremism on society, Ben Affleck, who was also on the show that day, took offense. And Ben Affleck took offense interjecting to Sam Harris and Bill Maher's discussion, interjecting that their view, the view they were espousing, was some combination of racist and xenophobic, and it was painting Muslims as individuals, broadly speaking, as terrorists and in an unfairly negative light. Now, Harris and Maher have since pointed out that they're merely speaking about the problems with the ideology of Islam and not about Muslims as people. The lines there are arguably not as defined as Sam Harris and Bill Maher would like people to believe, but I want to talk about Reza Aslan. Reza Aslan is a religion scholar. He's been doing tons of interviews commenting about the situation on the Bill Maher program. He's been on CNN. He had a long interview with our friend Cenk Uger over from the Young Turks. And increasingly, Reza Aslan's interviews on this subject have been truly rubbing me the wrong way, both in terms of the substance as well as the style. And I'll go into detail here. There's a really good article, ironically, in Salon.com, which has been a place that has been super critical of people like Sam Harris. But needless to say, there's a good arg uh, uh, article in Salon by Jeffrey Taylor. And as Jeffrey Taylor says, quote, 
Delivered via multiple media outlets, Reza Aslan's remarks, brimming with condescension, tinged with arrogance and laden with implicit insults to thinking people, deserve special scrutiny for one main reason. Among well-intentioned liberals who don't know much about religion, his words carry weight. I could not agree more. When Reza Aslan was presented, for example, with arguments about, well, listen, female genital mutilation is quite prevalent in Muslim countries, uh, Aslan argued that this is actually an African problem, not a Muslim problem. Now, let's look at the data, okay? Is that true? Let's analyze every claim made based on the data we have. In terms of the number of countries, there's no denying that FGM is more prevalent in Africa than in other places. However, there are still quite a few countries in the MENA region, Mid Middle East, North Africa, and in Asia, where, where uh, FGM is absolutely prevalent. Bahrain, Iran, Iraq, Jordan, Kuwait, Oman, the Palestinian territories, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Afghanistan, Brunei, Pakistan, uh, prevalent or widespread female genital mutilation. It does happen in India, but it seems to be isolated to the Shia Muslim Bora community there. And uh, Reza Aslan often holds up Indonesia as a kind of moderate Muslim counterpoint to Saudi Arabia, but female genital mutilation is prevalent in Indonesia, and there is even a mass circumcision ceremony, female circumcision ceremony, organized by Islamic foundations in Indonesia to celebrate the Prophet Muhammad's birthday. So on the facts, Lewis, much of what Reza Aslan has been, has been peddling is just factually inaccurate. Mm -hmm. In all of his interviews, he, um, whenever someone brings up something about critis you know, criticizing Islamic countries for something they do, he says, well, what about Indonesia and Turkey? That's right. And it's just, it just doesn't hold up. So what's the broader issue here? The broader issue I have here with Reza Aslan is that he's arguing that it doesn't really matter how violent a particular religious text is because they're open to interpretation and we shouldn't uh, uh, read anything into them in terms of the, the, the specifics of more or less violence or more or less calls to action because all that matters is how people interpret the texts. He's right when he says that the Jewish Torah and the Christian Bible, which adds the New Testament, and the Quran all contain violence. However, and this is where we disagree, I think that progressives are being bamboozled if they think it is wrong in principle to differentiate about which religious text has more literal followers and which religious text is leading directly to violence being committed. Now, let's uh, take a step back here. We've claimed time and time again, uh, accurately, that when those on the right say, hey, the Nazis, they were an atheist movement. We've explained, first of all, that this is factually wrong in the sense that Hitler and most Nazis were Christian. But the line between Christian belief and doctrine and the Holocaust is not that direct of a line. In other words, while there is no denying that Hitler and his cohorts were Christian, the reasoning for carrying out the Holocaust, to me, was not so directly rooted in religious texts. 
However, if we look specifically at Islamic suicide bombing, there is little to no denying that the texts themselves, Lewis, promise this afterlife with the virgins, and they um, glorify martyrdom, and you can very directly connect the texts to the actions. Does this mean that all Muslims are bad people? Of course not. Does this mean that there aren't moderate Muslims? Of course not. What it does mean is that Reza Aslan's claim that the texts don't matter at all is flat out false. It's just irresponsible. Um, it's irresponsible to try and leave religion out of this conversation uh, when clearly, uh, you know, a lot of these heinous crimes are being done in the name of religion. Um, so it's it's just irresponsible. And I used to think this was a pretty smart guy. There's Maybe no he question that he's smart and he's knowledgeable, but I think he's just distorting on this particular issue with his apologia. And I don't think his Islamic apologia is is helping anybody. It's not helping. It's not helping at all. It's certainly not going to help solve any of these problems. Another problem with Reza Aslan's recent statements. We often criticize on this show how dishonest it is when uh, religion apologists fl frame atheism or agnosticism or secularism as a sort of religion, as dogmatic beliefs. We've talked about this so many times, Lewis. Not believing in God is to religion as not collecting stamps is to having a hobby. We've made this abundantly clear. Reza Aslan is falling into the same circle of nonsense. Quote from Reza Aslan, Atheism is a belief system like any other belief system. He said this to HuffPost Live. It's a set of propositions about the nature of reality, and like any set of propositions, it can neither be proven nor disproven. This is patently false. Secularism is simply the belief that we should not have religious beliefs intertwined with state and government and the legal system. Atheism and agnosticism are not a set of beliefs in any way remotely equivalent to religion. They are the knowledge, the understanding, that the claims made by religion have not been proven in any way. And I find this absolutely damaging because a lot of progressives, Lewis, who when they hear the same claim made by religious rightists, rightly reject it. But for some reason, they're being uh, 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 kind of mesmerized, and they don't realize that Reza Aslan is making essentially the same claim. He sounds, like a lot. If you, if you compile all of his, his claims and arguments, to me, he sounds a little bit like, uh, like an, a religious extremist, to be honest. And in a response to a viewer's comments that, hey, atheists don't start wars, Reza Aslan responded, I'm sure that be, that would be quite a surprise to the countless victims of Stalin, Mao, and Pol Pot. Wrong again. There is no questioning the bloodthirsty nature of those non-believers, but none of them committed the atrocities in the name of or for the sake of their atheistic beliefs. And we have to distinguish this. This is not the same. And I think that these comments from Reza Aslan are flat out dangerous and progressives need to wake up and realize that a lot of his ideology, or at least what he's claiming to be his ideology here, or his beliefs, are not that different from the religious rightists that we oppose. Right 
My goal with this show is to inform, inspire, and activate listeners to push for positive change. With the support of listeners, I've been able to expand what we do here and make the show better over time. And the only way to continue doing that, to grow and improve, is with your support. I don't need a giant pile of money to run this show. I just need a steady, dependable stream of 5 and $10 monthly donations from people like you. For signing up, you'll also get access to special bonus content, including some behind-the-scenes stuff and more of my commentaries. If you believe in the mission of this show as much as I do, please help it continue to grow and improve by becoming a member today. Details are on the membership page at bestofleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. Let me get, I guess, first to this. Uh, the people were passing around this Reza Aslan article. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's written... This article uh, uh, responds to Reza Aslan. A response to Reza Aslan, and it's written by two... Um, uh, it should be said, the uh, this in pathos, several listeners sent this and tweeted this at me. And it should be said that uh, it's written by Mohammed Syed and Sarah Haider, who are the co-founders of the Ex-Muslims of North America, a community-building organization of ex-Muslims. I think right off of the bat, you're not exactly talking about um, objective authors. But, you know, look, maybe you could argue Reza is an objective, Bill Maher's not objective, I'm not objective, fair enough. But I think it is important to note that. Now, look, there's a lot in this piece. A lot of it has to do with what Reza said about genital mutilation, um, the notion that it's a problem that occurs more in Central Africa than Islam per se. Um, they set out to debunk that um, and say that uh, female genital mutilation and circumcision is very much a Muslim problem. Uh, now, political fact scored this um, with uh, Bill Maher versus Reza Aslan, and they basically said, according to UNICEF and Human Rights Watch, uh, Uni but UNICEF has a map of where this is mostly a problem, and it does indeed occur uh, frequently in Central Africa, including in countries like Eritrea, Ethiopia, that are majority Christian uh, countries. It also occurs in many Muslim countries. PolitiFact rated Reza Aslan as being mostly true uh, versus Bill Maher. They also go after Reza for talking about uh, female heads of state, female leadership in places like Indonesia, Malaysia, and Turkey. I think their point on Turkey is perhaps the most well taken because I think there's no doubt that some of the context for women's rights in Turkey are the fact that Turkey had a very militantly secular government for many decades. That said, under this previous, under this current government, which is an Islamic government and is recently having many problems, um, there were arguably advances in human rights uh, for women specifically. Um, Again, they go after, they say, yes, Benazir Bhutto was a Pakistani, twice-elected prime minister of Pakistan, but they try to undermine the claim by saying that because her father was a revered figure who was assassinated by a previous military dictatorship, that sort of somehow undermines uh, the claim. I don't really see how it does, and frankly, having a female uh, head of state or females in politics is not obviously a direct correlation with rights of women. 
Uh, they talk about, uh, you know, the growth of, of support for things like Sharia in Indonesia and Malaysia um, and and really question Reza's claims about Bangladesh and Malaysia. And look, I think there's no question that there are human rights issues in all three of these countries um, with women or otherwise. Again, the distinction you'd have to draw, again, especially with Indonesia, is, look, Indonesia under General Suharto, who ran that country in a brutal dictatorship for several decades, um, was not sort of guided by a fundamentalist Islam. Um, and as I've said before, I do think that the growth and popularity and support for more extremist views of Islam, again, are very specific to uh, the foreign policy projections of places like Saudi Arabia that support a highly specific brand of fundamentalism. So look, Reza is doing a really important job here that has not been debunked, which is he's saying that Muslim countries vary profoundly, which they do, because, again, there are different histories and different currents of Islam. And Sufism, as an example, is one of the most humane expressions of religion that the globe has ever known. Iran has anti-woman policies, but in some respects uh, has, has, has a radically different view of the role of women than a place like Saudi Arabia. Uh, where, and then in Indonesia or in other places like that, there isn't a historical context for Islam to repress women, although that may uh, be shifting. I would argue again that that has to do with other currents. Now, and this is really the fundamental point that I keep coming back to, which is what is the upshot of this piece, of this argument? That's what I'm fundamentally interested in. It's very important to complicate the picture of Islam and to understand that, yes, it's over a billion people uh, and that there's not just Shia and Sunni. There are currents and histories and culture within a variety of contexts of Islam. If you don't under and understanding that is not a question of being nice and politically correct. It's a question of knowing what you're talking about. Now, this focus on specifying Islam specifically as a problem is one, not intellectually coherent because you simply as a matter of reality cannot make a global claim about this religion or any large phenomena like this. You look at that same pew poll that everybody's obsessed with, attitudes on all of those same controversial issues very widely. And then when you get to Muslims in Eastern Europe, as an example, there's outright condemnation of all of these obscene practices that there is more support for uh, in other countries. Then there's, of course, obviously the question of polling, methodology, phrasing, generation gaps, how those attitudes are changing, and why Islamist politics would want to, would become popular to begin with. These are all things that cannot be answered in five minutes, and they're never going to be answered by Sam Harris, Bill Maher, or Richard Dawkins. So my argument is very basic. You need to understand the complexity of this religion and the places it plays out in. One, because 
having a one-dimensional bigoted view of it makes you seem like a fool and doesn't produce any positive outcomes. Two, you need to have a complex understanding of it because all of these views have serious policy upshots. And that's what I'm most concerned about. I do think ISIS is a threat and a problem. How you actually deal with it in a smart and sophisticated and strategic way requires you know the different currents, you know the different alliances, you know the different belief systems, you know uh, the different ways of going about things. Uh, and all of this sort of soft kind of Islamophobia is not just inaccurate and simplistic, it is the handmaiden of bad policy. And that's the bottom line. And every time we've had a caller or someone come in to, to defend the Sam Harris thing and to do this Islam thing, I say, okay, so what's the upshot? Is the upshot invade Iraq because Muslims, uh, you know, they respond to humiliation? Is the upshot that Muslims need to be spied on in the United States? Is the upshot that we support policies in Europe to ban religious garb? which targets populations that are already vulnerable and already subject uh, to civil rights abuses? Now, you might say, no. What we need to do is we need to uh, uh, reformulate our policies to seriously support people working for human rights in certain situations. We also need to identify the currents within Islam that advocate for human rights and for open societies. They are within Islam. Human rights are global. Uh, because they're global. You can find sources for human rights inside every global tradition. They're not invented by the West. So we're not cultural relativists because something like female genital mutilation is disgusting and grotesque. But you can find the power to critique and remove that within traditions inside their own context. So I'll ask again, and if, you're, and if your basic point is I just don't like religion and I'm allergic to fundamentalism of, every, of any kind, great. But when you specifically target it at Islam and in parts of the world you almost certainly have no understanding of, you have to know that that is inseparable from a policy agenda that has killed a lot of people and proven a consistent failure. And that's the bottom line. from Cleveland. Uh, I was listening to the uh, Young Turks, and they did a great three-hour segment where uh, Jenk sat down with Sam Harris, and they kind of went over the whole feud with uh, Rezi Aslan. Um, something kind of troubling came out of it for me. And I think people on the left too often make some very fatal mistakes in trying to get people won over to a progressive agenda. Uh, one of the things that Sam Harris does in comparing Christianity to the nation of Islam, talking about Islam being fun, you know, uh, fundamentally worse and more horrific and terrible, he quotes all these polls that were done and all this research that he was done. And believe me, I truly love and respect science, but at some point we have to realize that a person's feelings and beliefs 
you cannot measure through scientific methods because there are so many extenuating variables that create a person, who we are, what we believe. And at any given point, any small factor of our life could completely change our entire paradigm of thought, our system of beliefs, and the foundations of our morals. So uh, the entire time, he's indignant with Shank talking about, you know, well, he wraps himself in science, wraps himself in science, so he has to be right, and everyone else is just speaking out of emotion. Well, the problem is, that's, that's all beliefs are. It, it's emotion. Beliefs aren't fact. And Harris comes off just, just so damn condescending. It's an extreme turnoff. And like I said, I was... In many episodes, I was brought up, you know, Roman Catholic, yada, 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 altar boy, all that. And being that close to the system and being indoctrinated the way I was, I was turned off because I saw a lot of the hypocrisy. And I couldn't even tell you at any certain year or time when my my, uh, feelings evolved or changed. So I just think we on the left need to stick to facts as facts. And emotions is emotions, and we can't conflate the two, because when we do, we sound a lot like a lot of conservatives when we argue. And the one thing about the conservative party, Jay, they are in lockstep. They all get behind an idea, and they don't deviate. It's like a litmus test. On the left, we have varying degrees of understanding, which is the right way to be, but it also hinders us as a group, because we don't have that solidified unity to push forward an agenda. So, anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this, but just want to let you know. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make the show possible. Thanks to Katie Klebusik for all of her work on our social media outlets and activism segments. And thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment or question of your own to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. And now uh, I will come back and wrap up in just a minute, but I actually have one more clip for you. This is from the gigantic three-hour conversation between Jenk and Sam Harris that we just heard uh, Colin from Cleveland refer to. Uh, it, it took a very long time. <laughs> I it, They discussed lots of different topics. I, I watched the whole thing live and it took until, you know, it was three hours. It took until hour, you know, two, two hours and 53 minutes or something before they finally came to this point that I think really crystallized a gigantic part of what the problem is with this entire discussion. So have a listen to this and then I will come back and uh, discuss after. I should say that my position on torture is exactly the position on torture that you find in the, the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, right? And, and one, one thing that's happening to me now in conversations like this and in, you know, on many topics is that much of, much of my discussions have not to do with policy but are, have been an effort to get at ethical bedrock. I mean, I write and think as a philosopher. Mm-hmm. And in, in, a, in, in the context of having a philosophical discussion about ethics and right and wrong, you can say many things that seem crazy outside of a, right. a philosophy seminar, but in a philosophy seminar are totally legitimate. So in a philosophy seminar you could say, you know, why can't we eat babies? What's wrong with eating babies? If we've right. got extra babies around that nobody wants, why can't we eat them, right? That is a completely insane thing to say in the world, mm-hmm. s- seemingly. That's the kind of thing that if quoted out of context, you know, if, if Glenn Greenwald decides to tweet, you know, Sam Harris can't, can't figure out why we can't eat babies, right? It makes me look like an asshole. But the reality is, is that if you're talking about 
if you're trying to get to the bedrock about the, 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 the ethics of, of, of good and evil and the use of force, if you're trying to, then, then starting the conversation with why can't we eat babies? You know, why, give me an ethical argument about why this is really, really wrong, why our intuitions of its wrongness is, 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 can be conserved. That is a totally legitimate thing to do, and there's not a philosopher on earth who would think you were a weirdo for having that conversation. Mm -hmm. So much of my discussion, I mean, I, so I don't tend to write down to my readers, and much of my discussion of things like, like nuclear deterrence and torture and, uh, and all of these, these very inflammatory issues, uh, or the, 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 the biggest one is the link between belief and action, killing right. people for their beliefs, right? right? Um, Th those are those are had in the context of a very extensive conversation in in philosophical terms about how do we get to ethical bedrock. Again, I'm paying a massive penalty for trying to have a fine-grained, intelligent, and quasi-academic discussion, uh, and it's getting exported onto Twitter and into the minds of people like Glenn Greenwald and Reza Aslan, who don't either don't want to engage with my argument closely enough to understand it, or they're quite happy, happy to cynically mislead people as to what I'm actually saying. And I think it's in, in their case, I think it's, it's the latter. But there are many people who are just confused by the norms of, of philosophical, ethical discourse, and, and they just don't say, well, how could, you, how could you even be talking about eating babies? You, 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 you monster, right? right. That, th these people don't know what it's like to be in a philosophy seminar, and, that's, and that is largely... Um, uh, the problem we're dealing with here, and it, it's 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 made especially excruciating because many of these conversations abut public policy, right? So when you're talking about the ethics of torture, you're talking you're you're having that conversation in a world where there are people like Dick Cheney who are trying to figure out, you know, whether we can have a policy of rendition, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think that's a good point to end on because okay. I think that is your central defense. And, and, and you've laid it out, and I think, I hope that we had enough of a conversation here where people got a sense of where you stand on the issues and the context with which you uh, put the issues. Now, I, I know, so. I agree, with Reza, I have significant disagreements. With Glenn, I don't have that many disagreements, and I think that he would say the problem with what you just stated is that you're not in a philosophy seminar, that, that we're in a world where people are influenced by your ideas. Okay, so now I have a couple of quick points and then a bigger one to finish up with. Uh, first of all, my own biases, I'll, I'll get out there. I certainly don't have a religious dog in this fight, uh, but I will admit that for years now, I have thought that Bill Maher is an asshole. And that doesn't mean he's wrong about anything, but... I definitely think he's an asshole. I, I never had a strong opinion about Sam Harris, didn't really hear much from him, uh, but I would certainly echo the, the comments from Colin earlier. Pretty much everything I've ever heard him say now, and just in this last month, was just dripping with condescension. So again, that doesn't make him wrong, it just makes him sort of hard to listen to. Uh, also, I played a clip today that talks about how, you know, Bill Maher is now in the same camp as people like Bill O'Reilly. And again, that doesn't mean he's wrong. Just because someone like Bill O'Reilly, who I think is pretty much always wrong about everything, agrees with Bill Maher, it doesn't mean that they're both wrong. That would be a fallacy. I just want to make that clear. And, uh, and then Sam Harris, he seems to get frustrated when other people misunderstand him. And he says that he's being misinterpreted, and if anyone misunderstands him, it's their fault. He, he basically has no interest in, you know, as he kind of said in that clip, I don't, I don't write down to my readers, which means 
that a lot of people are going to misunderstand him. And he just says, well, fuck it. Too bad then. You know, I'm exactly right. And if you misunderstand, then it's your own fault. But then he does these things where over and over again in that long discussion with Jank Huger, he refers to torture as making someone uncomfortable. I mean, what are you doing, dude? You're, you're basing your, you know, you're staking your entire argument on, on, you know, science and the precision of your words and meaning exactly what you say. And then you go and say that torture is making someone uncomfortable. Like the argument he was trying to make is that torture is terrible and should be illegal, but collateral damage is actually worse. So if you were in a situation where you could trade one for the other, you could trade the terrible thing of torture for, you know, to, to avoid the terrible thing of collateral damage, then you should do that. that. That's what the argument he was making. But then in making the argument, he refers to torture as making someone uncomfortable. So you're kind of showing your, your hand there a little bit about how you really feel about torturing you know, in particular, Muslims, you know, not too many qualms about it, because, you know, if you thought that it was as bad as you say it is, you'd say, look, we, you know, it's it's not just making someone uncomfortable, it is torturing them, it is doing some of the worst things humans can do to other humans. It just happens to be not quite as bad as violently killing innocent, you know, men, women, and children with missiles. You know, it's better than that, but it's still horrific. But he doesn't say that. He says making people uncomfortable. So I find that ridiculous. And I, I mean, how many times can he do things like that before he loses credibility in, in his position as, you know, someone who says exactly what he means? And if anyone misunderstands what I'm saying, then it's your own fault. Uh, to that, I say, come on, dude, like, go fuck yourself. Here's the big point. Of course, a person's religion influences their actions, but also, of course, a person's economic and even geopolitical standings will also influence their actions. And like, if you don't see that, then, uh, then you're you're blind to what is an obvious reality to me. So people like Bill Maher and Sam Harris and even my friend David Pakman are happy to jump to religion as the motivating factor for actions of Muslim extremists in particular, or like Palestinian views on Israel and so on, and they are not wrong for doing that. I mean, people will often explicitly say that they're motivated by their religion. So I think it's fine to take them at their word when they say that. But if you don't also take into account all the other factors that form the full context of the lives of these people, then you're missing at least half the point, maybe more. And that's what I tried to emphasize in today's episode. You know, th This has been said already in, in today's show. Because no one's going to say, like, of course, people are going to say, you know, I'm doing this for my religion. No one's going to say, I'm doing this because I'm economically oppressed or I'm doing this because, you know, the Western Christian led nations have been humiliating Muslims for centuries. You just don't think that way. People don't think that that's their motivation, even though it very well may be. So I'm a big fan of recognizing the difference between explaining and excusing behavior. So on today's show, in different ways, we had Jang from the Young Turks and Tom Hartman and Michael from the Majority Report, all trying to give explanations for why Muslim extremists lash out the way they do 
do, you know, economic oppression, geopolitical oppression, and so on. And these explanations attempt to create understanding, not excuse the terrible actions that uh, are being referred to. So no one should confuse people who seek greater understanding this way as being like tacit supporters of acts of terrorism or anything crazy like that. It's those who seem to think that, you know, I have a great uh, knowledge of Islam and there are these poll results showing that the beliefs of Muslims around the world and that's all I need to understand the full motivations of, of Muslims. And it's those people who feel that way who are doing a disservice to the discussion. Now, I, David Bangman is a friend of mine. Last time I had a discussion with him about Israel and Palestine, he brought up a poll saying that some you know, very high percentage of Palestinians agree that Israel should be wiped off the map. And this is sort of an explanation for why like, he's not in favor of what Israel is doing. But he's like, look, like we can't go easy on these guys because you know, they're crazy, basically. And it does not excuse those extreme beliefs to ponder whether those Palestinians would feel the same way if the roles were reversed. You know, if they had all the power and they treated the Israelis the way the Israelis currently treat the Palestinians, if they had the full backing of the U.S. and then therefore of the U.N., if they got billions in military aid, they had warplanes and nuclear weapons and a functional economy, etc., do you think those poll results would come out the same? You know, when a person is oppressed economically and otherwise, it is not surprising when they turn to radical religion and turn to having these radical views. In fact, it would be more surprising if they didn't do that. Now, final point on Bill Maher. This is just one of my many pet peeves about him. I don't know if you've noticed this. His new rules aren't even rules most of the time. Seriously, have you noticed this? Almost none of his new rule jokes could actually qualify as a rule by the definition of what a rule is. You know, I, I just checked out the most recent episode he did to find an example. Of course, I found several because there are several in every episode. Uh, so, and this is just one. New rule. Kim Jong-un must lend his binoculars to his barber. That is a suggestion at best. That's not a rule. It doesn't apply to anything else. And then there was this one. This is his last one of the day. New rule, Democrats have to wake up and realize that voting is the one thing that scares Republicans, which is why Republicans try to make it so hard. Now, to be fair, that one wasn't really intended as a joke. That was a lead-in to a rant. But still, it's in the same framework, and he's not using the framework correctly. It drives me crazy. And he's, he's created a comedic framework for these jokes and then he doesn't stay within the framework so then they don't work how can you have a rule about a group of people needing to wake up and realize something that is not rule worthy you know as a fan of comedy it drives me up the wall that he has this structure this comedic structure and then he can't even figure out how to stay within it to just to make the jokes work the way they're supposed to work so yeah like i said He's an asshole, and this is about the least of what's wrong with him. But uh, to finish up, as Katie said to me today, new rule, all new rules must actually be rules. How about that? 
So that's going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations, as that is absolutely how the program survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it, leaving glowing reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, or by donating your accounts at donateyouraccount.com slash bestofleft. Stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter, and for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information can always be found in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every Tuesday and Friday, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. And it's a cry.